Hey, welcome to Central Online. Uh, we're so honored that you've tuned in and uh, are allowing us to be a part of, of your week. Man, here at Central, we, we say it often, but we are imperfect people in progress. And so what that means for you is no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, uh, you can belong here. Uh, we hope that you come to find this place to be your home. And, and the whole reason that we even exist as a church is simply to help people find and follow Jesus. So welcome, welcome on this, this journey. We are in week eight. Uh, of our series throughout the book of James. In your New Testament Bible, there's a book called James, and it's actually the oldest written letter in the New Testament. It's written by, by this guy named James, who is actually Jesus' half-brother, and uh, he pastored this church in Jerusalem that was unable to gather due to persecution uh, that was taking place. So he's writing to a scattered church, and he gives us today very practical wisdom for daily living. And in fact, the book of James is often referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. And today we're going to tackle a, a section of scriptures that's going to move, move really, really fast. And we're going to cover a lot of territory, but I think the heart of the text today, kind of the, the, the theme, if you will, of, of this entire text that we're going to be looking at is found in, in James 5 and verse 8. And here's kind of our theme for today is, is that, that, that we too, you'd say to you, you too, be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Hey, our time is short. Life is temporary. Be patient, stand firm, remember the eternal perspective. And that's today's title of this message is an ingredients for an eternal attitude. Because I think James wanted his church that was facing some, some challenging times then. And I, I would just implore you as, as our church here today, let's just, let's just get some ingredients for an eternal attitude because it frames up our current realities like nothing nothing else. If we're not careful, we can get so focused on right here, right now. Like if things are going great in your life and everything's up and to the right, and I hope it is, uh, but we, we tend to in those seasons get comfortable and be like, no, I love it. Like it, it's all about life. And, and we, we dread like life to come and we're excited about retirement. We're excited about, about temporary, we're excited about temporary things. Uh, and if things are not going well, then, man, we can tend to get stuck there and focus there and think, man, it's always going to be tough. It's always going to be bad. And, uh, but, but James just inviting us to, to lift up our heads a little bit, to have an e eternal perspective and to get some ingredients for, for, for eternity so we can view our current situation through the lenses of eternity. Here's why this is important. It was Charles Spurgeon who said this, uh, unless we purposely live with a view of the next world, we cannot make much of our present existence. Uh, life will, will feel very meaningless unless we frame up our current realities in light of eternity. It was C.S. Lewis who said this, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. If you aim at earth, you're not going to get either one of them. And so having this eternal perspective is vital for us. And so before we, we move forward in this message, I just want to take a moment and just pray. Pray for us as we, we open God's word that God would, would shape our hearts and give us this framework to view our current situations. Would you pray with me? Well, God, we just want your perspective on life. And God, we thank you for your word. And so God, I pray today that you'd help me and everyone tuning in today uh, to focus on what really matters. God, to live with an eternal attitude, to focus with the end in mind. 
And now, God, we just open up our hearts. We open up our lives to receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, uh, again, we are in week eight. We're in chapter four. We're going to be looking at, at verses, uh, chapter four, verse 13. And we're going to go all the way to James chapter five, verse 11. And again, we're looking at ingredients for an eternal attitude. And the first ingredient that James gives us is this. Our time is short. Our time is short. And he starts uh, with these words. He says, now listen, now listen. And we're going to see James actually say that twice in this small set of scriptures. And it's like, it's like, hey, I, I need your attention here. He's like, hey, hey, church, listen up. Like this is a, a lean in moment. And if you've ever had a parent who, whenever you are in trouble or you're about to do something that could be harmful for your health and well-being, they would like say your whole name, right? I can still hear my mom saying, Timothy Wayne Perkins, get over here. And I'm like, I knew it was business time, right? I knew it was serious. And, uh, and it wasn't for my harm. It was actually for my good because I was probably about to do something stupid, like run out into the street. And my mom didn't want me to die. So I was like, Timothy Wayne Perkins, get over here. And like, it's from the heart of James, this pastor, as he says, hey, now listen. It's like full on. Like he's gonna come at us pretty hard here in, in this text. And I'm just, uh, we all need some correction in some areas of our life, but I'm asking you, I'm asking myself, we need to receive this like a warning from a parent who, who has our best interest in mind. And here's what he says. He says, now listen, you who say uh, tomorrow we will, and it's like, that, that's the, the heart of this issue. That's what, he, what he's trying to attack is this, this self-sufficient mindset. This, 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 I got it under control. Here's what I will do. And we tell everyone else and we tell God, here's what we will do. He says, now listen, you who say uh, tomorrow we will go to this city and we will spend a, a year there and carry on business and, and make some money. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. In fact, what is your life? He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. And he frames up our current life, our current time here on earth. And he reminds us today that the first ingredient for an eternal attitude is remember our time is short. He says, you're a mist. It could literally be translated like a, a wisp of smoke. It's here and then it's gone. It's a, it's a vapor. And we get so consumed with what takes place right here, right now. In fact, I got a, a little illustration I want to show you. Uh, Keith's going to help me out with this, and, and Amir's going to navigate the camera. So fancy footwork here. Check this out. Uh, we've got some uh, butcher paper here in the room. It's a, it's a big roll. I don't know if you can see it, but, but here it is. This drags on and on and on and on. It comes all the way up here to the stage with me. And, and Amir, if you could kind of zoom in close here, here's what happens. Here's your life. And it's a beautiful thing. Because right here in this box, you were born. Right, right here, your mom and dad brought you home. They were so proud of you. Right here in this box, you, you went to school. You learned to read and write. You had aspirations and dreams. Right here in this box, you had that awkward middle school dance moment. You know what I'm talking about. It was weird, but, but it was awesome all at the same time. It was right here in this box, you, you graduated. Maybe you had high aspirations and you went to college you, you pursued your dream. 
You got the career. That, you remember the day you landed the job and how, how exciting that was. And you, you got your first paycheck and it might not have seemed like a whole lot today, but at the time it was like, I can't believe I'm making this much money. And it was in this box that, that you, you, you found that, that soulmate. You got married. You, you, you started a family. You, 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 you had a successful career. You, you planned for retirement and it was awesome. And you, you couldn't wait to retire and just go fishing, play a little golf and kick back a bit. It was on here where you had grandkids, right here in this box where you made plans for your funeral arrangements. And one day they put you in a box. All that took place right here. And what James is saying we can get so consumed with what takes place in the box that we miss out on the reality that you will live forever. Like your consciousness, who you are right now will never die. This body will fail me. One day I will no longer be on this earth, but who I am, who I, who I am in my heart, my character, that's why it matters so much because you will live forever. And James is simply reminding us today that, hey, we need to live life with an eternal attitude because what takes place right here and right now is very small in light of eternity. And this paper could go on and on and on and on and on and on and it'll never end. It's hard for us to truly grasp what eternity is. But this simple illustration hopefully frames up for us a little bit of why we need to live with an eternal attitude because how I invest my life today ripples throughout eternity. Uh, thanks for that, that key. Thanks for helping roll that up. Thanks for the fancy footwork too on the cameras, Amir. That's uh, impressive. But here's, here's the reality. Um, some of you watching this, like you've been confronted with the gravity of life in this season. Some of you have lost family members. Some of you ha have gotten diagnosis of personal terminal illness. Some of you have, have people that you love deeply uh, who, who are facing sickness that it looks like there may not be repair. And I'm just saying that's a very sacred space because no one understands the gravity of life more than you do. But for all of us, we need to frame up and view through the lens of our current reality, eternity. Because all of us watching this will live, we're going to live forever. And what we do today matters for eternity. Uh, that's why I like these words from a modern poet. You may have heard of him. His name's Tim McGraw. Uh, he, he says this. He says, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Like tomorrow was a gift and you got eternity to think about. What did I do with it? Like, what did I do with my time on earth? And you know what you did? You went, Scott. No, you didn't. I'm going to sing that song. It's a good song, though. You, you know you want to sing it as well. Uh, but, but my time here is short. And Tim McGraw says, hey, what about, what if you framed up eternity like it's a gift? What if you framed tomorrow like it's a gift? And then you have all the rest of eternity to think about. What did I do with that gift? What, how am I investing my time here, right here, right now, today? If you don't appreciate the Tim McGraw quote, here's one from Martin Luther. Uh, maybe you'll like this a little more. It says this, uh, live as though Christ died yesterday. He rose today and he's returning tomorrow. Our life, it's a mist. So here's a question I would like for all of us to consider. What would I do differently if I only had 30 days to live? What would I do differently today 
if I knew I only had 30 days left? What would my week look like if I knew I only had 30 days left to live? Now, now please hear me on this. This is not just some sad, somber exercise that your pastor's asking you to do. A matter of fact, the most highly effective people uh, in, in the world think through this lens because they realize every day matters. If you were to read Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he, he, would, he would encourage you to wrestle with that question. If you were to read Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt, he would encourage you to wrestle with that question. If you were to read Brendan Burchard, High Performance Habits, his book, his work on that, he would say, wrestle with this question. If I just had 30 days left, what would I do differently? And live your life in light of the gravity of life. And the Bible would say, your life's a mist. It's a vapor. Begin with the end in mind and let's live life through the lens of eternity. So the first ingredient for an eternal perspective is our time here is short. And we need to, we need to grasp that. That's what James tells us. Second thing James tells us to do is that our purpose is God's plan. The first ingredient, our time is short. The second ingredient for an eternal, eternal perspective is our, our purpose is to live out God's plan in the short time that we have on earth. So he says this instead. So instead of saying, hey, I will do this. I will do that. I'm gonna to move to this city. I'm gonna make some money. I'm gonna do this. I'm, I got my whole life mapped out. I'm self-sufficient. He said, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. And I just love that, that simple statement. If it is the Lord's will, because it, it captures the essence of God's plan for all of humanity on a very high level. It highlights that God has a plan and a purpose in every situation, in every season of life, even and maybe even especially in the seasons of life where it seems like everything's just spinning out of control and it's like chaos all around. But here's what we need to know. We need to anchor ourselves in this truth that God has a plan and a purpose for it all and he's still on the throne, even in 2021 even in your life today, even in the midst of all those circumstances. God, he has a purpose, he has a plan, and his plans will never be derailed. But not only does he have a plan for humanity on a very high level scale, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. The Bible says in Psalms that, that, that he, he, the creator of the universe, he delights in the details of our lives. It says that you're, you're a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. He's got good things in store. And it's only after I grasp the reality that my time is short, that I invest the rest of my life trying to fulfill God's plan and his purposes for my life. It's only when I realize my time's short that I say, you know what? My plans don't matter as much, but oh God, what do you want from me? Do you want me to live here? Do you want me to move there? You want me to make money trying to do this? Do you, my, my, my plans then become, God, your purpose matters the most. And I love th this statement. And it, it frames up, I think, what's important. And I, I hope my prayer and praying for you this week is that this would become the anthem of your life. And it simply is this, that if it, if it is the Lord's will, we will. If it's the Lord's will that I stay, then I'll stay. If it's God's will that I, I do cash in on my home in the Bay Area and move to Tennessee, then I will. But God, if you want me to live here, right here, right now, so I can reach my neighbor, so I can keep working at this company, so I can keep, keep trying to make an impact in the Bay, then God, I will. Because God, if it's your will, 
We will. We're going to do it. It's your plan that prevails because our purpose is your plan. It's not my own self-sufficiency. So he says, instead, we ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And I just think it's, it's good to frame up. He, he says, here's the thing. Instead, we ought to say, if it is your will, we will live. Because <laughs> we don't know. Like, I could drive home tonight in my life. Be t- I don't know. I don't know. But God, if it's your will, then I will. If it's your will that we live and do this or that, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. And if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And I think that's interesting. We need to know that, man, we're here on purpose, with purpose, and God, if it's your will, we will. And God, if it begins with knowing my purpose, what, do you, what, on, what on earth am I here for? And some of you know what you're here for. Some of you know God's plans for your life. And maybe you don't know the whole picture, but you know like what, kind of what he wants you to do for today. And if we know, if we know the good that, that he wants us to do, but we, we're just resistant to it, he says, well, then you're actually living in sin. And sin, sin literally means to miss the mark. And some of us, we go through life missing the mark on what God has for us because we're so self-sufficient. We say, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, instead of saying, God, what do you want from me? my purpose is your plans. What do you have for my life? It was Mark Twain who said this, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. I'm excited. I'm excited for Easter. Easter's coming. Uh, excited to regather uh, with some of the central family out on the patio. Excited to gather online uh, with those of you who can't be here with us in person. But, but I'm also excited because the week following Easter, we're kicking off a brand new series called Thrive. And we're looking at how do we thrive in this thing called life. And we're going to be spending some time unpacking this. What on earth am I here for? God made today be the day I find out why I'm here. We're going to be taking some spiritual gifts assessments as a, a church all together. And, and I just can't wait for that. And so here's a question I want you to consider uh, whenever it comes to this, this point. So we know our time's short. We know our purpose is God's plan. But here's the question to consider. Do I know and am I living God's purpose for my life? And, and that's not to be condescending or condemning by any ways. I'm just saying as a church, we want to help. We want to help you discover your purpose so you can live on purpose because God has great plans for your life. So our time is short. Our purpose is God's plan. And the third, our possessions are not our own. And, and again, James kicks off in James chapter five, verse one. He, he kind of, that, that Timothy Wayne Perkins, I need you to listen. And here, here's what he says. He says, says it again, second time. Now listen, now listen, you rich people. And, and before you push back, you're like, I'm glad I'm exempt from that because I know I am not rich. Uh, here's what I would say. If you have internet and you have a, the technology and a device to view an online experience like this, you're rich in global standards. Uh, based, on the global, based on the world around us, we, we're all in this category of rich people. Here's what moneymanifesto.com said. If you make just $7.25 an hour or $15,000 a year, you would already be in the top 10% of the wealthiest people in our world. Top 10% if you make $15,000 a year. 
Don't miss that. Like $15,000 a year, you're richer than 90% of other people living in our world right now. 90%, like congratulations, you're rich. If you make $50,000 a year, you would be in the top 0.31% of the world's populations in terms of earning income. Earning $50,000 a year puts you in the, the top 1% of the world's population. Like you can get one of those stickers on your car, I'm a one percenter. Like I'm in the, I'm in the top 1% of the world's richest population. According to the U.S. Census website, uh, censusus.gov, there are basically 7.7 billion people living on earth right now. And if you make $50,000 a year, then you're in the richest, you're you're richer than 6.9 billion people on the globe right here, right now. I say all that to say, like, James is talking to us. He's going to challenge us how we, how we manage our finances now. And he wants us to know, like, hey, our, our, our finances, our, our wealth, like, it's, it's not ours. And he's going to come in a little hot and heavy and remind us of this reality. And, and here's what I also know to be true, that some of you watching this, you make more than $50,000 a year. And so James is he's really talking to you in that space. And so here, here it is. Now listen, you rich people, we, we've come to an agreement. We're, we're all in that camp. He says, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth is rotted and the moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion testify against you and eats your flesh like fire. Thank you, James, for using the soft gloves. Um, and James points out three things for us to observe. And, and here's, it's just a kind of a heart check. And, and James is just challenging the church. He's challenging a scattered church, much like you and me, to say, hey, check your heart in this area of your life. And it seems like James has gotten some reports of like some very specific things that have happened in this church. And he says this, he says, says you have hoarded, you have hoarded your wealth in these last days. You've hoarded wealth in these last days. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hoarders or watched the show Hoarders. Uh, it's kind of disturbing, but, but here's what we know to be true of hoarders. Like they have more than they could ever use, more than they could ever need. Like they, they can't even walk into some rooms because they got so much stuff. And James is just, just leaning in here and he's saying, hey, some of you, man, you've been, been keeping all this. It's more than you can need. It's more than you could ever use. And so, so here's the question I want you to consider. Is there any area of my life where, where, I'm, uh, where I'm hoarding God's blessings from others. And maybe he just wants us to pour those out for others. And he says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who, who mowed your field are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. In other words, not only have they hoarded wealth, but they've, they've managed their wealth unjustly. They should have paid some people and they didn't because they want to just keep it for for themselves. And so there's a question, have I, am I using the wealth that God's entrusted to me justly? Am I withholding anything from, from people that, that I deserve to pay? Then he says this, you've lived on earth in luxury and, and self-indulgence. And so he gives, gives kind of three things here, but at the root of them all is this, that it's, it's selfishness. It's, it, we want it for ourselves. And he says this, you have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. Like you have, you have condemned and murdered innocent one and, and they, were, they were opposing you. And so it gives some like imagery here of like taking people to court and suing people over some, some things that are just temporary. And he's like, why, why, why are you doing this? He uses this word like, like you, have, you have fattened yourself for the, 
the day of slaughter, like, <laughs> I mean, that sounds pretty vivid, but we don't really grasp that fully in our, in our culture today. I don't remember the last time you slaughtered an animal was, but in the Bible, they had the, the day of first fruits or the first fruits offering. And it was basically uh, the first things of everything that we got, we, we brought to God as an offering. Say, God, we recognize that, that you're the number one in our life. You're the provider of everything. So God, we're just giving back back to you. And that was true not only of their crops, but also of their livestock. And what would take place with livestock and still takes place today is that throughout the, the animal's life, they graze like in fields and pastures and they eat grass. But then for the last 90 days of their life, they bring them into these feedlots and they load them up with high density, high calorie diet, uh, and it puts marbling into the meat. So next time you go to Costco and you, brought, you buy a prime steak, it's, it's got good marbling in there because that, that cow has been, been fattened in the feedlot. And James is using that imagery saying, wait, you've hoarded all this stuff. You kept it all for yourself. But what you didn't realize is that you're fattening yourself for, for the day of, day of slaughter. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty strong language. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm grateful for the central family because so many of you model a life of generosity. So many of you are are the opposite of what James is describing. You, you live life with open hands, recognizing that God is the giver of every good gift. And you just wanna be a faithful steward of that. And I love this quote. Uh, it says this, generosity is to self-indulgent like kryptonite is to Superman. Like, hey, if, if we wrestle, if we have an issue with self-indulgence, well then generosity is the antidote, just like kryptonite is for Superman. Here's another quote, a tithing church will always become a generous church and a generous church will always impact eternity and central, you're a generous church. You're making an impact on eternity. Isn't it nice to know that you're not making an impact not only here in San Jose, but all around the globe. Here's what's a couple things that have, have taken place because of your generosity. Thanks for your, to your generosity and in our partnership with City Team, uh, we provided a mobile food pantry that has, uh, we, we, you funded the Central Family and has provided over 2,794 households here in San Jose with food and groceries. And that's just in the past six months. Like way to go, Central Family. You provided 264 backpacks for kids this year. Way to go, Central Family. You provided 416 Christmas gifts to kids that would not otherwise experience Christmas this year. Way to go, Central Family. Your generosity is making an impact. Uh, and not only that, but, but, but through your generosity, we've been able to plant churches all over the globe, churches in Africa and in Indonesia and in Lebanon and Iraq, in Chile. People are finding and following Jesus. Churches are being structured and lifted up. Leaders are being raised up and it's all, it's because of your generosity. Way to go, Central Family. And I think that's worth celebrating. So feel free to whoop it up in the chat, throw an emoji in there. That'd be awesome. We're celebrating. Live life in light of eternity. And here's, here's those ingredients once again. The first ingredients, our time is short. Our purpose is God's plan. Our possessions are not our own. And here's a question to consider in light of, of that one. How can I be a blessing with my blessings? I, I realize that, man, everything I have, God's just been entrusted to me. I don't, I don't wanna do what James says and fatten myself for the day of slaughter. Like even if I don't fully grasp that, I don't, it doesn't sound good. I don't want that. And so so how, can I, how can I be a blessing with my blessings? And then the fourth and final thing is our trials are temporary. You just need to know that. Our trials here on earth are, are temporary. The Bible says our life's a, a vapor here and gone. Let that sink in. 
Let's just take a deep breath, Central. Let's breathe in, breathe out. Like, just like Mr. Miyagi. Breathe in, breathe out. Your trials are temporary. This world, not our home. We're just passing through. We just get to steward what he's entrusted to us along the way and make an impact with this one life we've been given. We're just, we're just passing through. If my life is a vapor, then my trials are even less than a vapor. They're less than a mist. And Jesus could, could, could return tomorrow. And, and a lot of what I'm wrestling with this week, a lot of the anxiety that probably 99% of the things that I've been worried about this week wouldn't even, wouldn't even matter. Our trials are temporary. And James is going to encourage us with three reminders. He's going to tell us three things in this, this next section of text, and we're going to have to move quickly. But he's going to say, hey, be patient, maintain perseverance, and hang on to the promise. Patience, perseverance, promise. Here it is in James 5, 7 through 11. He says this. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters. The Lord is He's coming. He's coming. Be patient. Here's a promise. God is coming soon. He says this. See, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? <laughs> Here in Silicon Valley, like, like we can get, get, get so caught up in, in the rush of life and we want results yesterday. But James, he points to a different career path of a farmer. And the farmer knows this, like he can't force rain to happen. And so what's his, what's his options? He has to patiently wait for the spring and autumn, autumn rains, knowing what he needs most only comes from God. And James is asking us to take that same patience, hang on to the promise. He says this, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. In other words, don't quit. Be patient, stand firm, persevere, cling to the promise. God's return is it's coming, it's gonna happen. He says this, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you too, you too will be judged. And here's, here's what I know, in the midst of trying times, in the midst of, uh, of, of difficult seasons, it can become like fertile, fertile ground for us to like bicker and fight and grumble against one another. And James is saying, don't, just don't let that happen. Because Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. We need to fight for unity. We need to fight for unity. We're not fighting for uniformity. We're not fighting for, 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 for everyone to think the same way and to behave the same way and to, to do everything the same. Uh, we need to fight for unity though. We need to have a, a common ground, understanding. Why, why do you think that way? Let's, let's reason together. It's not grumble. He says, he says, the judge is standing at the door, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. He says this, you, you have heard of Job's perseverance. And if you haven't heard of Job, uh, it's, it's in your Bible. About, about halfway through, it's spelled J-O-B. You can just read about Job. And, and Job experienced some very trying times, but Job remained faithful. He lost everything. But in the end, God, God blessed him with everything and then some that he lost. And James is just saying, hey, you've heard of Job's perseverance. You can check that out this week as well. And he says, and you have seen that the Lord finally brought about, how he brought it all about. And then he, he gives us this promise to close. He says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. In the midst of trials, in the midst of difficult seasons, never forget that the Lord, he's full of compassion. He's full of mercy. Like he still has your back. 
And sometimes when circumstances aren't going our way, we can think that maybe he's forsaken us, like maybe he's given up on us. The enemy will want you to believe that. But, but we've got to cling to the promises of God's word. His coming's near. He's full of compassion. He's full of mercy. Therefore, be patient. Persevere. Let's remember our time. Our time's short. We need to have these ingredients of an eternal attitude. Like our time's short. Our purpose is to live out God's plan. Our possessions, they're not our own. And our trials are temporary. And so my question to you is, in light of those realities, where do I need to invite God's power to work in my life? Where do you need God's power to come alive in your life? It was 2 Chronicles 16.9 where the prophet said that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. Like God is looking to strengthen your heart today. He's looking to strengthen the hearts who, who are fully committed to him. It was the psalmist who said, said, you are a God who works miracles. You still display your awesome power. And my question is, where do you need God to show his power in your life? Where do you need him to show yourself strong? Especially in light of our time is short. Especially in light of God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And he's inviting us not to just to rely on ourselves, but to submit to his plan. We need to remember our, our possessions are not our own. So God, you need to come alive in that area of my life. Would you help me to break the back of, of self-sufficiency and, and greed and hoarding things rather than just realizing everything's yours? God, do I, I need you to show up and remind me that my trials are temporary. Whatever you need, God's willing to meet it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this reminder today through James that, that our time's short, our purpose is God's plan, our possessions are not our own, we thank you, God, that our trials are temporary. And so, God, we just pray that you'd show up in the lives of your church where we need you the most. And so, Central Family, I'm going to ask you, with, as you continue to pray, head bowed, whether maybe you're in a room with, full of people, maybe you're in a room by yourself, but I just invite you to close your eyes right now. And I invite you to, to open up your hands and maybe put them in your lap like you're about to have someone place a gift. Just open up your hands to God and let him know where you would like to invite him into your life and display his power. Our time is too short. The stakes are too high. God, we need you. So Father, as you see your church with open hands, scattered, Right where they are, Father, would you meet with them? For those who are fearful, would you bring your peace? For those who are anxious, would you come with comfort and calmness? For those who are, are greedy and just, just trying to grasp for everything and find a sense of security and finances, God, would you remind us that, that you are all we need? For those of us who just want to fulfill our own agenda and make plans and ambiguities, an uncomfortable place for people like us. But God, would you help us to stay in step with your spirit and we'd follow your guidance. God, you hear your church. You hear where they're weak. Would you show yourself strong on their behalf? In Jesus' name, amen.